0: Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York and Boca Raton, Florida, it's the Freight 360 podcast. From freight broker sales tips to sports talk, this podcast is all about helping you grow as a freight broker. We're your hosts, Nate Cross and Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, we're back. Episode 127. I'm pumped because this is the episode before Super Bowl 56, man. We're gonna talk sports in a second here. Um, We got a full Q&A episode today because we've gotten so much, so many of you have reached out with questions. We're gonna answer them all as today's episode and um, it's gonna be a good one, right? We got a lot of beginner questions, some technology questions, we got cash flow factoring questions, customers questions, we got, we're gonna touch on all of it. So welcome back, episode 127 of the Freight 360 podcast. Make sure to leave that review. We've we've been ranking good. Um, our downloads are at an all time high. We're just growing and growing and growing. I think our friends over at uh, Lean explained it. If you're watching on YouTube, just like going up and up and up, you know, going up like it's crazy. So, but it's good. We got a lot of a lot of good content coming up here, and um, yeah, man, share shares with your friends. Keep the keep the tribe growing here. So, Ben, um, since I'm going to Florida next week, I've been tracking the Florida weather and. Dude, it's a little chilly down there this week, huh?
1: Uh, it depends on where you're at. I would
0: say it I mean, got yeah, a- maybe not, maybe not for you in South Florida, but I saw, dude, I saw like fifties and stuff.
1: Yeah, today I think the today was the coldest day of the week. Our low where I'm at was 64 when I woke up this morning, so I had to throw on a long sleeve shirt to walk the puppies. But. Uh, <laughs> Not exactly like sweatshirt or shoe weather. Um, it's going back up to like I think mid to high seventies tomorrow. So it was a pretty okay. brief cold front. I a- gotcha.
0: So I'm going. I'm going to the golf side near Tampa, Clearwater area. But so our, our weather forecast for next week is tracking like it's going to be kind of chilly. Like the first couple of days is like sixty low sixties, and then it'll be up closer to eighty later in the week. So, uh, but it's like fifty here in Buffalo today, man. My my ice rinks getting a uh, a, a natural resurface from Mother Nature, you know, melt off that top layer and refreeze when it gets below freezing tomorrow. Little Mother so it's Nature a zamboni. The I don't have to do anything.
1: A little zamboni action from Mother Nature.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, I got out there skating a couple times recently. It's it's in good shape, so definitely uh, definitely jealous. got some life left in it as we get through February here and March. So, all right, let's uh, let's talk. Let's talk sports, right? It's the, the big game, right? That's everyone calls it the big game because for I think for copyright reasons, you can't like say Super Bowl unless you are the NFL, right? Like so like when people are yep. on TV with commercials, they just call it the big game. Oh, well, come after us NFL because I'm calling it the Super Bowl on the podcast here. You've got the L.A. Rams. Essentially hosting at home because it just happens to be that at the SoFi Stadium in L.A. is where it's being played. They're hosting the Cincinnati Bengals, who no one really thought that they were going to go to the Super Bowl this year. But here, I've got in our show notes the the betting stats on it as of like this morning. Um, Rams are favored by four and a half points, and the over under is estimated at forty eight and a half points. Now, it's considered like the biggest sports betting game or day of the year because event-er. there's a, you can bet on like how long the national anthem is going to be and like. I'll, the, who's going to win the, the coin, coin toss, toss like, the first
1: down, how how long? Yeah, literally just so many prop bets in the entire thing.
0: Oh, yeah. But I'll tell you, here's what I'm taking on the game. I think the Rams are going to win, but I think it's going to be a close one. And I think it's going to be lower scoring because the defenses are, are a pretty good matchup against each quarterback. And um, I think the Bengals are going to hang in there until the end, and they're going to end up trying to go like Hail Mary towards the end because they're going to be out of field goal range to you know to tie it up or to win or something like that. So I'm taking the Bengals to cover 4.5, but L.A. I think will still win. Uh, and I'm taking the under. So that's my bets. We'll have to recap it next week and see how I did. So the Bengals could win, and I would still win my bet. Those are the two bets I actually placed, though, is Bengals plus 4.5 and, and the under 48.5.
1: I think Cincinnati's got a shot only for the sense that, like, I don't know. They've been in the AFC. They're an Ohio team. I'm grown up, as you know, as a Pittsburgh guy, like, just kind of not liking Cincinnati or Cleveland. But, you know, obviously seeing a team that you're that close with for that many years finally make it there, like, I'm really pulling for Cincinnati. I really yep. do hope they can somehow find a way to, oh, well, shit. I mean, I wouldn't have expected Kansas City not to make it, and I wouldn't have expected Buffalo not to have made it. And the fact that they did hey maybe there's something to it and hopefully they can find a way yeah, to i mean they're on, upset them. On a,
0: they're on a hot streak man so if, if if there ever was a time for them to take it all now is the time so
1: <laughs> literally the only time because they've never made it this far so <laughs> there was never a time before that. Oh, it's olympics now too so yes. we're in the olympics um
0: it's so hard to watch because it's they're 13 hours ahead of the East Peacock, Coast. Peacock, right? man. So, like, I
1: download Peacock? I just, just figured it out last night. They're just getting started off, right? Well, Peacock, I just figured it out last night because most of the stuff I watch is like the first couple days, like men's Dude, moguls. I not hear
0: your audio at all right now.
1: What? Uh, Are you muted? Okay. No, I didn't think is I my was. my audio muted? No, no you man. sound fine. Let me look. Uh, my mic looks hot. It's it's spiking yeah, hot.
0: I click on media. It's on my end. My mic's What's going on here, MacBook. Hang on.
1: <laughs> your volume just turned down on the Plastics, uh,
0: app. new Mac user here. Uh, go
1: to go to your
0: volume. Microphone's good. Camera's good. Speaker.
1: You have a volume on. Did you get your new keyboard yet? There's a volume oh, button on your keyboard.
0: Yep. So that. Now I was able to change it to the MacBook speakers, external headphones. Let's try Yeah, I got that. Did I press something wrong? No, that, that audio, I could, so I can hear it now. Your audio is coming through my MacBook. But when I put it yeah. back to my speakers, there we go. I'm good. All right, let me try that again. So the Olympics is on. It's hard to watch though,
1: 13 hours ahead. What, uh, have you been tracking it at all? Well, I just started watching it last night, actually, because my uh, I'm a big Winter Olympics guy over summer. I just love skiing, and that was always my favorite sport. And It's the only time where it's like <coughs> – excuse me. <coughs> There's actually like professional skiing where like kind of everybody watches. So like men's moguls, men's big air, men's freestyle, high, half-pipe skiing – And the men's muggles was on Saturday, but last night I downloaded Peacock and you can watch all the replays on demand. So as long as you're not following the scores online, it's kind of real time. I'll tell you, I mean, there's a lot of commercials in the app, but it is kind of nice that you could literally just sit down whenever you want, find the event and then just play it. Yeah, it's so it's it's funny because like the Winter Olympics,
0: I'm with you. I like the Winter. I, I mean, I like them both. Um, the Winter Olympics, I feel like there's way less sports, and I love snow sports. So like snowboarding, downhill skiing, stuff like that. I had a buddy that I went to high school with that, that competed in um, the... Was it Vancouver? Like back in 2012, maybe, or 2010 or whatever, in British Columbia, um, in the aerials. Uh, so I've always loved watching stuff like that, and um, dude, the moguls! You watch it in slow motion, and I'm like, "How do they not bust their knees?" <laughs> it's well, insane. And I used some of the downhill stuff. Like, dude, they're going like 80 miles an hour. It's insane.
1: Did love it, and it's like that was my favorite thing growing up with skiing moguls. Like, still to this day, it's been a while since I've been out, but I like mogul skiing more than any other activity I've ever done in my entire life. It's probably the only thing that I would say I'd probably choose over golf in my entire life. Like. Between mogul skiing and going to play golf are like my two by far favorite sports.
0: Yep. So we'll see how it hot wraps up here. You got some interesting hockey stuff because I think, like, the definitely the U.S. and maybe it was Canada too, but definitely the U.S. there's no NHL players that are competing in the Olympics. And I believe (laughs) it's the same for Canada because they both play in the NHL, um, Canadian and U.S. citizens. So it's pretty much like back to 1980 miracle style where it's all like college kids and stuff like that and, and amateurs that are um, that are representing team USA the uh, women's women's team had a pretty good start uh, although they lost to Canada which people expect that Canada and US will rematch in the uh, the gold cup match but who who knows um, on the golf side Pebble Beach did you watch on Sunday I didn't Dude, Speith had it. He had it within arms reach, man. He was a, he was ahead by two strokes like with three holes to go. He gets a bogey and the dude behind him got back-to-back birdies and ended up clinching the win. I forget who it was. Um but uh yeah, sad uh sad day. He had a good comeback, too. I like he was like a lot.
1: Good, yeah, good He golfer. was not
0: favored by any means like early on, but he he played really really strong. I think on Saturday to get himself towards the, uh, the front runner there. But, yeah, so that's sports. Um, anything else around – oh, you know, it's funny. I saw – speaking of the Super Bowl, I saw a funny, like, meme today. It was like a fake report from the NFL from Commissioner Roger Goodell. It was like, um, you know, two years in a row now, unfortunately there's a, an unfair home field advantage for a Super Bowl team. It happened with Tampa Bay last year, and it's happening with L.A. this year. They said – so, and obviously it's a joke, but moving forward, we're going to – We're going to make sure that the Super Bowl is uh, played at a a stadium where the home team will not be competing. So it's going to be played in Dallas at AT AT&T Stadium (laughs) every single year. (laughs) I was going to say Detroit, (laughs) Dallas, one of the two. (laughs) Right. There you go. But, yeah, good stuff. All right. Give us a a shout out to our friends over at DAT Freight and Analytics before we hop into the Q&A session today.
1: Taking the guesswork out of Freight with DAT. The DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners, and you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and competent pricing decisions. Check out the show notes for a free month of Trucker's Edge, Express, or DAT Power.
0: That's it, man. That's it, and we're gonna talk about some DAT products here in the Q and A. Somebody was asking about quoting and rates and stuff like that. We're gonna we're gonna dig into it. Um, well, cool. Like I said, today is all Q and A. You guys asked, and we're gonna answer, right? What was it like? Was it Radio Shack? That's like you've got questions, we've got answers, and now they're not in business anymore. <laughs> the Shack. But that's okay. Yep oh yeah why did they go down was that like just cause like Best Buy and you know all the bigger box
1: stores even Circuit yeah. City went under. they're a big box store yeah, yeah I mean to be honest well that and I would say online probably ate away at a lot of their margins but Radio Shack Bezo, had that monopoly man, man well, when you needed something back in the day it was the only place you could go and like actually get and know you were going to get what you needed I mean
0: yep oh yeah
1: competition
0: and now thanks to Jeff Bezos and Amazon everything's online Dude, did you see, side note, not to get off track, do you see the yacht he's building?
1: Yeah, they have to tear down that bridge, and I think it was in the <laughs> Netherlands, and then rebuild it.
0: Yep, they're going to like, dismantle it and put it back up. Hey, man, half a billion dollar yacht. Hey, good for him.
1: The world's rich- richest man. I mean, they have done far crazier things throughout human history for somebody that manages that amount of wealth and that amount of influence. And plus, hey, I mean, I, I mean what I read was pretty cool, actually. I mean, he's going to pay for the jobs. It's going to create jobs in the city. He's going to reinvest in it. So, I mean... It's in no way like some rich person taking advantage of the system. He's willing to pay to get it done and people are more than happy to accept payment to help. Yep, it. What makes the world go round. M-O-N-E-Y. You're correct. All right, so
0: first question up is how do I grow my brokerage? Um, Pretty vague question here, but you know, a lot of times folks will fill out a form on our website or the contact us form there and um, they did, that's all they write is some, something vague. So, but that's a good topic, right? How do you grow your brokerage? Well, we've broken this down. You know, we did like a how to how to grow your uh, book of business in 2021. We did it last year in January, I believe. So, just over a year ago. And I think you and I we focused on three main three main ways to to grow. Right, new customers, growing your existing customers. And I think we talked about, like, leveraging your carrier network or something like well, that. Yeah, but,
1: so you can always – there's three, three ways to grow, right? It's you can go and bring on new customers. The second one is you can penetrate your existing customers. And mine just blanked. I think those are the main two. I think we, our, third, our third tip there was
0: to grow the carrier base to, well, um, it's, to allow you –
1: yeah, adding new, penetrating what you have, and I mean, I mean, those are the two primary. But I mean, honestly, like you can get more profitable in the lanes you are running. So I guess technically, there's a third, and you can grow your book, or not necessarily grow your book, but grow your profit margin within the amount of load you're doing by yes, getting different carriers and finding more efficiencies. Yep. So I would say there's yes. Yeah, so let's
0: let's break those down in a nutshell, right? New customers is is obvious, right? That is prospecting 101. You're, you're contacting new shippers that you're not currently working with in the hopes to, to add some new shippers to your book of business. And how do you do that? It's cold outreach, it's referrals, it's following that BOL that you've got access to for every load and finding out where is this inbound load shipping out of, where is this outbound load delivering to, right? Those are all free leads for you. This could be, who do you know in the industry or that, that works in some capacity at a company that ships anything and how can you get one, one degree closer to that shipping department or that traffic manager. That's, that's gonna be your new customers. Existing customers, look at how you've done for them so far and where have you grown capacity? What are some additional lanes that you can start to work on for them? Or maybe more volume in existing lanes? Or do they have a, a mini bid coming up or something like that or a new project that they're, they're gonna be working on? That's a great way. You've already got a track record of success or some kind of track record with this company, it's a great way to grow your book of business with that existing customer base. And the third one we mentioned is to grow it by having thicker margins or, or more profitable business overall in your existing business, and that's gonna be by developing a carrier base. And it could also be on your strengthening your customer relationship and understanding that, hey, if you need this moved you know, right away, yes, I can get you a carrier, but if you can give me um, a couple of days, I'm gonna go out there, and I'm gonna go find in the marketplace the best available capacity at, at a good rate, and you're gonna have less expensive carriers because you're gonna be able to identify the ones that it's less empty miles, it's a more desirable location for them, it's possibly a backhaul or whatever the case might be. Those are the three big things in my eyes. Um, what, do you, what do you think? You got anything
1: else on that? Yeah, so to go in a little bit deeper is, one, I think, and I, I just happen to have Two clients I was working on this very issue with over the past two days, one of which is we really take for granted in brokerage the amount of time it takes to do a task. For instance, like if you build a load and then you jump back to something else, then jump to something else, then build the next load, right? Mm -hmm. Very few times does somebody sit and think like, did that take me three and a half minutes or did that take me five and a half minutes, right? And I'll give you an example of my own book of business, right? So on any given day, like the way our loads come in, we might be building like 60, 70 loads at a time, right? And then maybe not for 12 hours, and maybe get 40, then 30, right? Now, we've literally timed this. How long does it take you to do it when you do them individually? Now, it would take between four and five and a half minutes to enter all the information in. We found that when you batch them all together and you do it one after another you can do them in about 40 percent less time right and here's the thing right people go like oh i just never have enough time there's no way i'm going to get to it there's too many things to do right but this is just like a real concrete example of where you can get more time right so on average i mean if you're building 70 loads and it takes you three extra minutes or you know almost twice as long to do them and then do something else and then jump back and build it then answer a call and to come back then to check an email right Seventy times six minutes is two hundred and thirty minutes, right? What's two thirty divided by six? Like it's almost three hours and forty minutes, give or take. I'm guessing, right? Like, not that I'm good you're with public math. i my head
0: up with your math right now, but, but I'm, I'm. But I'm give following. or take,
1: right? So seventy loads, <laughs> if it takes you five minutes, right, it takes you five times that amount, right? Now, if you yep. can get that down, even two minutes per transaction, right, like you're saving like almost an hour and a half a day, right? Now, think what you could do if somebody gifted you an extra hour a day. You're probably not. You're probably telling yourself you can't grow your book because you can't prospect, because you can't get time to generate leads, because you can't get on the phone, because you're doing all these other things. These are the things we need to batch together to get that time back. I
0: totally agree, man. So it sounds like kind of what you're outlining in there is uh, is efficiency in, in your workday. And we've seen it with putting the right people in the right jobs and figuring out how can you eliminate duplication of efforts and things like that.
1: It is, but it's even within your own self. Right. And I think everybody just myself included, and especially when I talk about this or when I've worked with people and I had to work on this in my own book and in what I do in my own behavior is it's really hard to conceptualize that it's worth spending the time to change your behavior because it doesn't feel like there's an ROI on it. Like it doesn't feel like it's worth, and everybody has these habits, right? Has these habits that have been developed over months, weeks, years, most people years, right? Oh, I build these loads, I grab this call. Like this is just the way I do it and I'm the fastest at this way, right? Well, like that's really just the narrative and the story we tell ourselves. The reality is, is objectively, if you sat next to yourself and were able to be outside of it, you probably find a lot more of these things that you're able to find little all these little things add up because that's really where the time comes from. It's not like it magically appears. You've got to find these efficiencies and the, all the little things that we do throughout the day.
0: I agree. You've got to take ownership in that process and how you conduct your own business. So <laughs> good stuff. Um. All right, let's move on to the next question here. The listener asks, where do I start as a beginner to learn the trade? And, and they had a little bit more contact context to the question. Basically, um, like what kind of <coughs> roles can, you, or you know, what kind of companies <coughs> or roles or positions can you start off in in the, in the freight and transportation world to set yourself up for success long-term as a freight broker? And it's a great question. And there's no right or wrong answer here. Um, different companies will will position their new folks in different roles on purpose because that's how their progression of employees and their development works. Um, but let's say you're brand new and you're starting your own brokerage and you, you want to learn. Um, I always I love the idea of someone going and either mentoring or shadowing. Uh, or I should say being mentored by or shadowing or taking a a part-time job or just a a entry-level job at a brokerage to just to be exposed to it and learn what they like, what they don't like, or if they figure out if they like it at all and they kind of get some exposure. Um, Specifically operations side is a really, really good place to start because you're going to learn exactly what you're dealing with on the front lines. That's affecting your customers. Um, I guess access to capacity in the marketplace, right? If you're out there literally trying to get loads covered and check call on drivers and you understand what the drivers are dealing with, what they're, what they want, what they don't want, um, just what their, what their overall job consists of and how it is for them. You're going to be a much better, broker and customer-facing um, account manager to your to your shipping customers. That's my opinion. Um, I personally started on the asset side to learn the the, the carrier side of the business. Um, when you started, you you probably worked under a broker on some of their operations stuff for their loads, right? So, I mean, what's your take on this? What's a good place to get started to learn the industry?
1: So, I, I same thought. I mean, I think, and it's the same way I learned it, is it's really simple, right? A freight broker sells one thing. We sell access to trucks. We sell the service, right? Well, what's the best way to learn about the product you're selling? Spend time understanding what's happening with that, right? So track and trace, operations, check calls, and like rates, understand what you're paying and just the minutia and just the repetitiveness of doing check calls, making sure the rates match, making sure BOLs are in there, making sure your PODs match, all of the tasks that are done on that operations role are the best place, in my opinion, to learn the industry. Because you learn not only here's the ins and outs, right, but the nuances of why it works and why it doesn't.
0: So here's a good analogy, <clears throat> right? Outside of freight. Think about any good successful company that sells a typically a product, right? Um here's what came to my mind. If you go to a Ford dealership, what are the employ the sales reps they're driving? Fords. They know the product. I remember when I used to go to American Eagle to buy clothes like in high school, they all had to wear American Eagle clothes, right? They had to literally represent the product that they were selling at the cash register. If you go to the Apple store, do you think these are people that are using Android phones? No, they're all going to be iPhone and and Mac users, right? They, They understand the product that they're bringing to the customer and you need to understand that as a broker the, the service of the the carrier capacity and carrier options. You need to understand that to be able to present those options with any kind of understanding
1: and intelligence to your customers. And you got I mean Plain absolutely. You got to know the product you're selling because here's the other side. Back to our first question, how do you grow your brokerage? You grow your brokerage by reaching out, talking to new potential prospects, right? But once you've talked to them, like, how do you uncover the need for them to work with you? It's by understanding the need you have as a brokerage to support your other customers. It's the same thing. And that's how you understand this. Because like, at the end of the day, and I say this a lot, but like, sales is just a transference of emotion. I cannot get you to understand how frustrating it is when a truck doesn't pick your load up if I don't personally know how frustrating it is to rely on somebody that let me down. And when I can convey that to you, it's way more likely I'm going to get you to understand where I'm coming from and to get you to understand that I care about it as much as you do.
0: Yep, absolutely. Okay, that's a good, uh, that's a good setup to our next question of how do I get customers, right? So you do a lot of coaching with prospecting and lead generation and things of that nature. Um, so getting customers, is a, it's a vague question, right? We, we have plenty of content and episodes that talk about lead generation sources, right? You can use Zoom info, Googling, Chambers of Commerce, Resource USA, referrals, right? You could, all kinds of stuff. And we talk about having a niche. Um, the customer acquisition, acquisition process though, talk to me through that from a high level view. Let's say you've generated your leads.
1: What is that process to convert a lead into a customer? What does that look like? It looks like speaking with them between eight and a dozen times, right? And expect that the first few conversations, like, and this is the biggest thing that I've learned, you know, coaching and working, and we've picked up, you know, working with our group clients is like, when you're new at this, the instinct is to pick up the phone, call somebody and say, hey, I'm so-and-so from so-and-so brokerage. I wanna discuss your transportation needs. And then they wait for the prospect, the shipper, to just tell them their needs and then to just tell them you know, what they need help with and then to direct the conversation. So I would say the biggest thing for people that are new starting out on this is you've got to expect to direct this call. You're the one steering the ship. You cannot reach out to somebody and try to solicit business without you being able to steer this conversation. So the biggest thing I could say of how you should go get more customers when you're actually on the phone is have a list of the questions that are commonly asked in this part of the conversation. How many truckloads do you ship a week? How many truckloads do you ship a day? Is this your busy season? When is your busy season? Do you ship full truckload? How many other people are over there doing the same job as you? When do you get your loads? When do they need to go out? Yep. Right, and having a list of these prepared, ready, right above your phone, so you're not struggling to find the questions you need to really direct the conversation. They're your ammunition.
0: So I want to, um, and I'm going to throw a link in the episode notes in the YouTube description box for this. But I, I came across a video. It got, it popped <clears throat> up in like my recommended thing the other day, and it was, it was titled. I got it pulled up on other monitor. Cold calling shippers. It's got like almost 50,000 views, and it's by a guy with a t- that handle, Freight Agent. I think his name is Orlando. I don't know if you've ever seen this. He sets up a camera and just records himself dialing for like 15 minutes. And I will tell you that um, great to watch if you're brand new and you want to understand the rhythm of cold calling and the rejection. What I, I almost wish I could have this guy on the show and be like to coach him on what he was doing what he could have worked on better. Because he did exactly what we tell you not to do, which is, hey, I'm so and so over at ABC Logistics, was looking to get set up with you. And I listened to a few of his calls and his dials, and every single time he was told no. Although really? I did I think he had a different approach. Wait, so there were He had a different approach on one of them and he actually had he got like an L T L load to work. Okay. On. But it was all we're not we're not adding anybody or we're all customer routed or sure email me your information but we don't have anything for the next couple of months well, you know what I mean yeah. it's interesting though
1: it is and I mean hey kudos to you know him for putting himself out there and to make these calls and to put this content out there for sure Here, yeah. here's what I would say and it's not a knock and it's not a criticism to anybody out there that is doing that because I am certain beyond a believable doubt (coughs) we have somebody listen to this that has a huge customer they got by doing this but what i'm the reason i don't advocate it we don't advocate it or talk a lot about it is the fact that like this is what the majority of people are doing right so like when you know literally tens of thousands of people every day are calling shippers and doing this it's just much less likely for you to be able to kind of like differentiate yourself really from the other people stick your head above the others right because from their point of view answering the phone like they don't really have any reason to pick one over the next if so many people tend to say the same thing so the reason we advocate like having a reason you're calling that should be unique to your brokerage or maybe even you the broker or maybe even just your book of business (coughs) is that you're way more likely to differentiate yourself from the other people that person heard call them that that morning, an hour before, the day before, 20 times yesterday, it all depends on the size of the shipper. Yep, <coughs> You're correct. My biggest takeaway, and
0: this goes for any sales role in any industry, you've got to be unique. You've got to find what is, what is good and special about your personality and your approach, what's likable and magnetic about you that people will want to listen to you want to have a conversation with you and they want to do business with you and that a lot of that comes down to personality and i've mentioned it before the the brokers and um in the company that i work for uh i i have a great report a great relationship with them because we get along it's a personality thing and to me that's more important than anything else.
1: And here's something interesting, so. right? And I've been researching a lot on this on how this actually occurs so that we can, you know, teach more of it, right? Like psychologically. And it's very similar to what happens in social media. When we as human beings are vulnerable, when we are willing to talk about something that we feel like kind of exposes who we really are as a human being, Those are the things that really connect us with another human being. So if you think about who you follow on Instagram or anywhere on social, no matter where it is, the people you likely follow are somebody that was willing to be vulnerable about something, share something that you personally connected with. And in our world, you know, shipping and prospecting, it sounds kind of fluffy. Like, well, what am I going to do? Like just share random weird things with a shipper. That's not what we're advocating. But what I will say is, Here's where it really happens, and I can tell you from personal experience where my relationships have really kind of grown from these scenarios. It's when something goes wrong. It's when shit hits the fan, you've got a load, it didn't go the way you wanted, and when you literally call that person and you're terrified because you know you just told them that load was good maybe a half an hour ago. And then the carrier calls you and said, yeah, I know I told you I was checking in, but I'm really 100 miles out and I can't make it because I'm still at the last shipper. Like one of those situations why those tend to be like endearing or super beneficial to your relationship is because that's when we've got to be vulnerable as a human being. We have to be willing to tell this person we barely know. We've spoken to maybe, what, two, three times? Call them and say, honestly, like the people that I told you I was responsible for, that I vetted, that I said you could rely on, did not come through. And I let you down as a result of it. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and get you somebody else and I'm willing to do whatever it takes and I'm willing to tell you up front so that you can look for other options as soon as I found out about it. That is the vulnerability that happens once you have a load or two moving and that's what really skyrockets the relationship from just another broker to they can trust you now and they can trust you because you're willing to be honest with things other people weren't.
0: Integrity, man. You need to have your integrity in your cell phone. If you lose either one, you're screwed. You're done. That's it. All right, next question is on technology. Which TMS should I use? People ask this a lot. Here's the deal. There are a bunch of TMS platforms out there. We have not used all of them. We've used a bunch, we've demoed a bunch, we've, we're, we endorse a couple of them, and we'll talk about those. The other day, if you're looking for a TMS, Check out a bunch of them and find out what you like and what functionally works well for your business. Because just like we talked about cars before, right? There's Ford, there's Chevy, there's Lincoln, there's Kia, there's Hyundai, right? Like not only one of them is gonna be good, right? Although there was like a recall for like half a million cars the other day that'll start on fire. Um, But there's a lot of options out there and a lot of it will come down to preference and what you personally like, what it has to offer. So. The two that we personally endorse are Ascend TMS and Rose Rocket TMS. You can check out a link in our episode notes or description box for the affiliate section of our website, and you'll see links in there um, that you'll get, you know, a free month or the best price, whatever the case is. We've vetted these out, we've checked them out, they're really cool. Those they both have the free um, trial version too, or the paid version as well. And really cool, cloud-based. Um, I'm a fan of that. I, I like being able to access from anywhere and not have to worry about it being on just one computer. That's that's always a nice thing. So check them out, think about what tools do you want? Like for example, do you want something that is visually appealing or mo- more robust in its functionality? Like for example, MacLeod, not very visually appealing, <laughs> but you've got a million <coughs> tools, send in Rose rocket have some pretty good functionality and they have a great user interface. Um, and they but they're more so designed for that small to mid-sized broker. So you're not going to have every single tool or option that a million dollar customized TMS for your company is going to have.
1: Here's the, here's so the other thing.
0: I'm- check out a bunch of them, demo them, see what you like. That's what I
1: think. Here's what I would, you can always, do it. I would add to that is that like, just like vehicles what what you might have what might have worked for you last year the last time you shopped might not be the right program for you now right things change your customers change your needs change so think about the tasks that you do the most like literally the most volume of tasks and when you're vetting these see which one of those have your top two or three priorities that really work the way you want because not everybody's doing the same thing right like Maybe you're doing 5% drage and mostly full truckload. Maybe you're doing a lot of LTL. Maybe you do a lot of load volume and low margin. Like, They're gonna be different nuances that are important to you based on your customers. So like, make a list before you start vetting them of the tasks that you do the most and the ones you wanna be able to expedite, like just get done faster. Because at the end of the day, that's all a TMS is. It's a tool to make you more efficient yeah. and effective.
0: I will say Tim from Ascend. I, I I see a lot of his stuff on LinkedIn, dude. They're adding so much stuff to Ascend, and like it's just all inclusive. If you have a if you have an account with them, like they have a new LTL raider that's free in there. And it's direct pricing with L, LT, all the big LTL companies, um, free tracking stuff like that. Really neat. So, yeah, check a bunch of those out. Um, all right, next factoring companies. What factoring company should I use as a new broker? Well, to be honest. You're not gonna have a lot of options as a brand new broker. Um, a lot of these companies, they won't touch you unless you've got a few months under your belt already because they wanna know that you're actually gonna be um, good for you know a good business option for them. So the same way you have to hustle and grind to get your first customers, you're gonna probably have to hustle and grind and build relationships with a, someone at a factoring company to allow you to use them from the beginning. Um, I don't we don't like for Axle. example, like Travis at Axel, yeah. um, he he's honest with us about hey, I'll take on smaller brokers, which some companies won't, but like a lot of other companies, they don't prefer a brand new out of the gate broker that has no experience and no idea what they're doing. So it's
1: a tough But one. it's a decent option. So I mean if you're in our if you're in our Facebook group, freight brokers and carriers network Travis Hodges, H-O-D-G-E-S, at Axel A-X-L-E. If you just throw him in any of the questions, or even if you just tag him in there, he'll answer any of your questions about whether or not you'd be a good fit, because he's been really great with, like Nate said, a lot of our newer brokers and people like just starting out into the industry.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, but don't expect like a Triumph Capital yeah. or anything like that to want to take you on when you're brand new, so.
1: Well, here's some numbers, too. If people are wondering where that benchmark is, like Triumph, when we had Mac on the show last year, was like 50K a month gross sales, right? So if you're doing 50,000 a month in sales, like that's kind of the benchmark they feel like. And to be honest, from their point of view, like Nate said, like there's got to be enough like, you know, juice in it for them. They got to make sure that one, you do enough load volume for it to be worth them to process it. And two, you're likely to stay in business if they are going to start working with you
0: yep that's it all right next can i move ltl and full truckload under different authorities um interesting question and here is my answer if you're an independent agent you can 100 percent be an agent with a company that you do your full truckload with and maybe a different brokerage for your ltl and in that scenario yes you are moving full truckload and ltl under two different authorities um you could be a freight broker that does full truckload that has a co-broker agreement in place to do your LTL. Yes, that absolutely could happen. The, the, here's the big thing is you are not as a, as a freight, as an employer, or an agent of a brokerage. You are not there's not like an exclusivity thing from the FMCSA on your, you know, which MC you're representing. Think about dispatchers, right? They represent multiple carrier MCs. Um, you just have to make it very transparent to your customer because that invoice is gonna come from whatever company is the, you know, whoever's authority it is, right? So if you're with ABC brokerage for your LTL and XYZ for your full truckload, your customer's gonna get two different invoices if they're mo- moving both through you. Um, I don't wanna see the better. It gets messy. I prefer to keep it all under one roof if you can. For simplicity, but there's no legal restriction on it, if that makes sense. Why would
1: you? I can't really even think about reason that there's liability that I would want to have, like, severed from the other. I don't even... So, um, the big one is the one I mentioned with
0: LTL, with, like... um, So, like, a company like Priority One or Global Trans, Mm -hmm. they have massive buying power and purchase power and all that. So, they get really steep discounted rates through... XPO and SDS and you know YRC and all these LTL carriers. So for that reason, that's their that's their specialty as LTL. You can get really competitive LTL pricing if you're brokering with them or under their authority. But why
1: would you? But you need- they made
0: lack and their L- or their full truckload side. Like I've talked to agents that have been told at Global Trans, um, you can do all your LTL. It's going to be great, but you're going to get a lesser commission percentage on your full truckload and we're going to we're going to move all of it for you on our operations side so it's like whoa so i'm going to do good on ltl but your truckload side isn't as competitive or there's companies that they're really strong on the truckload side but their ltl rates aren't that great so if you've got a lot of ltl you may you may want to try and push under two different companies does that make sense
1: it does. I just mean like if I'm a brokerage owner why would I want to start another MC to just separate FTL from LTL? So if you're a brokerage owner it's a different story. I uh, yeah, just that's how I wanted. read it. I was like the good question yeah, I so thought it was like, like
0: this would be someone that maybe is an employee or an independent contractor or an agent and um,
1: yeah. Okay, that makes that so sense. So like
0: for example I think if I remember correctly she started her own brokerage for full truckload but wanted to go maybe be an agent for an LTL brokerage to get pricing for her customers because she couldn't get herself. Yeah. In that case, and yeah, fine. you'd have you a co
1: brokerage agreement underneath it and you would, you know, supply LTL. You be, yeah. You
0: can be a co brokerage or you can just go be an agent mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's ways, there's no, like I said, there's no restriction on it. Um, but yeah. Um, do I need customer and carrier packets as a new broker? Um, carrier packet. Yes. You should have carrier packets when you set up your brokerage to contract those motor carriers, Um, for the loads that they're gonna move. Customer contracts, the customer is gonna usually tell you what you have to sign or agree to for them. Bigger the company is, probably the bigger the contract, the more requirements, some insurance requirements like contingent cargo, things like that. Um, On the contrary, you can choose, it's not required, you can choose to create a credit application for your shippers to get their billing information, um, be able to look them up in a credit database have them agree to whatever standard terms that you've decided upon with them, but it's not required. But you should have a you should have a carrier packet, yes.
1: Yeah, and to be honest, you got
0: any other contract stuff to add in no, there? No,
1: I mean most of the stuff. Same thing you said. You know, shippers are usually going to come from them. You're going to redline them. You're going to go through what you want to agree to and not. So those are usually like, per, like very situational. My my, you know, suggestion is you should just set up something like my carrier packets. That's you know what the brokerage I work at uses. I mean, we don't have any you know rev share with them, but it's not that expensive and it saves a ton of time because you onboard a lot of carriers when you're early on in your brokerage career because you're just doing a lot of spot loads and there's just you don't have yep. very many to begin with. That's how you start.
0: My carrier packets and Rmis are probably the two most commonly used carrier tools like that and what's nice about it is they interface carriers and brokers a lot of carriers are already in their system so if you go to add a new carrier all they have to do is uh you sign them a link and they just (coughs) log in with their login and it's going (coughs) to supply all their information to you so good stuff um last question here of our all q a episode is what tools can i use to run quotes and rates so there's a lot Um, i mentioned dat earlier I'm a big fan of RateView. Um, I use it myself. RateView gives you usually like a three or seven day average depending on how much data they have. Um, Truckstop has RateMate. FreightWaves has Sonar. It's really, really intuitive. We actually just bought Sonar for my company. Um, it's, a, it's expensive, but it's really, really cool for um, big level analytics if you've got the volume to support its, uh, its cost. Your TMS, if you work at a bigger company, probably has a ton of its own data, which is extremely valuable.
1: The most valuable, Um, in my opinion. Like, I do care what the market is all the time, but I usually care more, and it's just opinion, about what I paid last week. If somebody in my organization that I know negotiated a lane, the first thing I always did, especially when I worked at a larger brokerage, was call that broker. Hey, how did you negotiate that lane? Did you find a truck that needed a backhaul, or was that a front haul rate? And then once you determine what the which one of the situations they were in, then you've got the context. You can ask them like, hey, do you run this load every week? Yeah, my customer runs it every week. Okay. Do you guys typically find carriers? Yeah. Like you can find out so much information from your colleagues. The next place I'm looking as is, you know, same ones you mentioned.
0: And here's another thing too, outside of technology. You could pick up the phone and call a carrier and get a live rate from them. And here's what's cool. So Kevin Hill sent you and I over kind of like their demo for their upgraded version of is it carrier lists mm-hmm. right is that what it's called dude it's pretty sweet I was playing around there this morning um, and I know they have like a monthly subscription for it depending on your size and they have like different he's got different tiers check out carrier packets Is there, oh, sorry carrier lists The um, thing is carrier list dot com yeah we should throw a link up in the show uh,
1: notes but it's a great product because it's a really great avenue to find more carriers especially if you're you know new in the industry and you're just yep. starting to get on your feet CarrierLists.com,
0: yeah, it's pretty sweet. You can go through and search like um, you just type a lane in there and your equipment, and you can get it as specific as you want, and it'll spit out all the carriers that match capacity in that lane based on their profile and what they've identified. And Kevin's done a great job with that product over the years, and it's it's pretty sweet now. Um, so yeah, that's uh that's that's good stuff. So I want to add in on the on the rating and the quoting part. These tools what I think is really important to understand is where does the data come from and how is the data supplied to you and what does it include or exclude? So, um, for example, DAT, and I actually saw a, a guy in a, one of a posts, I think it was on our Facebook group, get in detail on it, or maybe it was on LinkedIn. Um, he knew the exacts on it. It was like, they omit the Top upper five. and lower. I think it's fifteen. Is it fifteen well, percent or is it five? Out of D,
1: I mean, you know what Hans told us.
0: I think they told five. us five percent. But this guy was saying, <laughs> I, I thought, maybe I read it wrong. But they omit us obviously a certain percentage of the high and low to make sure that you're excluding the brokers that overpaid and underpaid um, for whatever reason. It could be because it was critical customer shipment or it was a carrier that wanted to get somewhere or they were just, you know, not intelligent enough to price it properly. So it gets rid of those outliers and it gives you good data. And it's, uh, it's, these are actual loads that have been moved. They have true data on and I think it's as recently as three days. Sonar on the other hand comes from a, a co-op or conglomerate of like uh, 25 Big brokerages that all supply their data and agree to share it amongst each other for their for the benefit of the entire community. And it's 24 hours old. It's it's every day it's uploaded in, so you have it the next day. It's really really cool. That's why it costs so much, um, but it's it's really really accurate in the spot market. Um, I think Truck Stops Rate Mate comes from their data from their factory company.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, transactions. Um, and the other ones, I I'm not. I'm not privy to any, oh, so McLeod has an internal one that's based off the um, brokers and carriers that use their platform. Uh, so yeah, just it's, it's important to understand where the data comes from, what it includes, what it excludes, and how does it you know how does it translate to you and what can you take. Here's out of it. the so, biggest like just like TMS is take demos
1: of these rating tools. It, here's so. the biggest thing, right? Because we've been asked this, and I know um, just to give you an example, when we say outliers of rate data, what we're referring to is is. Let's say you're running L.A. to Chicago, and let's say that lane is, I don't know, twenty-five hundred dollars on average every day. And let's say, you know, five hundred loads. That's definitely not going to be an accurate Whatever. rate, but yeah, sure, just we'll say use like five hundred <laughs> of those run per day, right? Just for an example, right? So let's say it's Friday and it's four o'clock, and one shipper didn't get a load out. They didn't know it was going to be ready, and all of a sudden they need to get this ship to their customer by Sunday. And if it doesn't make it out by five o'clock, the load spoils, right? and they call their broker and they go, I will pay whatever it costs. Pay $5,000, pay $6,000, the load, if it spoils, costs me way more money than no matter what it costs to move us. Open checkbook load, right? That's why these companies exclude those transactions because that really doesn't tell you anything about the market. It tells you more about what that individual shipper was willing to do with that one individual load. So if the averages are all around 2,500 and somebody's willing to pay five grand, because they have some outside circumstance, they don't want that to skew the data in one direction or the other. So like that's- Same with the cheaper ones. You might have a carrier that's desperate for a backhaul and offers to take that load for next to
0: nothing. It could be a partial shipment that was tracked improperly Mm -hmm. or input improperly so it
1: showed up as a full truckload. There's reasons that they exclude- And that's a big one. Probably partial loads probably get booked through their system very much the same way full truckloads are and if you're moving one pallet, you're certainly not paying for the whole, you know, Truck, the whole truck. Yeah, we
0: should do an episode on partials. That's a good idea. That's a, that's a good topic. So, well, good stuff, man. That's 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 it for our questions today. We had eight of them, so keep them coming. And every now and then, we'll do one of these full full Q and A sessions. And um, I don't think we've skipped anyone's question yet. We've answered everybody, whether it's through email or on the show. And we'll do that until we run out of uh, bandwidth to do so. But you got any? Um, What's your prediction for the Super Bowl? I guess we kind of, you know, skipped over your side of it. What do you think? I think
1: I'm going to go with Cincinnati and
0: Bengals. You said the Bengals are going. I'm going to go for
1: it. Cincinnati. I'm going to go with Cincinnati to win by a field goal by three or something. Low, two it, or man. three points. If
0: that happens, I'll, I definitely will win my my bet because I got them to lose by to either win or lose by four or less.
1: So, I hope it's just this I weird, I hope there's it. some weird thing at the end where there's like some odd scoring. I like Super Bowls that kind of throw the numbers out where like somebody makes, you know, an extra point, somebody misses an extra point and then somebody goes for two and then it ends up being some weirdly scored game. I could just see this going down odd.
0: That's pretty much how this entire yeah, playoffs has all been. All of them. You've had ac- extra points missed, field goals missed, two point conversions gone for, made and missed. You've had late game interceptions You've had the Bills not be able to hold on to a, a lead with 13 seconds left. Don't get it's too. been a
1: wild but, playoff uh, season. Yeah, I mean, we'll Steelers see. shouldn't have made it. I think you guys should have won. I mean, all in all, I think we're going to have an interesting game to watch. So, looking forward to it.
0: I agree, man. I agree. For all those Bengals fans out there, who day, who day? Right? day. That's like what the Bengals fans say. Like. So, good stuff. You got any closing thoughts here, Ben?
1: Whether you believe you can or believe you can't,
0: you're right. And until next time, enjoy that Super Bowl and go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Check out the show notes for links to anything that we've referenced on this episode. And make sure to visit us online at Freight360.net
1: to see our entire library of episodes, videos, blogs, and more. And make sure to check us out on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel for daily and weekly tips and content. If you'd like your question answered on the show, fill out the Contact Us form on our site and we'll see you next week.